Tech. I'm a journalism intern with Cinema Verde's Environmental Film Channel. Today, I'm here joined by Kristen Tiosh, the director of The Connection Between Bats and Coronavirus, Wildlife is Not to Blame, as well as The Invisible Mammal, The Bat Rescuer. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to go ahead and give us a brief introduction and summary of your films, that would be great. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me, Maya. Uh, my name is Kristen Tiash, and I'm the director of the two films that you mentioned. Those are short films um, that I made with the hopes of creating a feature-length documentary about the plight of bats in North America. Um, and that feature-length film I'm currently in production on um, so the feature-length film is also called The Invisible Mammal, um, but it features uh, more specifically the work of uh, three uh, bat conservation international scientists who are working very hard to try to find a solution to protect bats from uh, the effects of white nose syndrome and help them survive over winter. Um, and so the two films that you mentioned, uh, I believe screened at Cinema Verde, and one of them, The Bat Rescuer, is about Corky Quirk, who is a bat educator um, and rescuer here in Central California, right outside of Sacramento. And she rescues injured bats and orphaned bats, and she also teaches the public about the value of bats in our shared ecosystem, including pollination, seed dispersal, and bug eating, <laughs> which they're very famous for. Um, and then she also leads talks and walks out to see 250,000 Mexican free-tailed bats that live under a freeway that's right out, outside of Sacramento. Um, so people can, you know, go out and witness the wonder and the magic of these little flying mammals for themselves. Then uh, moving on, um, during COVID, because of the negative spotlight that bats were getting at the beginning of uh, the COVID outbreak, um, I decided to go to some of the experts, including Dr. Winifred Frick, who is the chief scientist of Bat Conservation International, and ask her directly about the connection between bats and coronavirus. And basically, you know, surprise, surprise, um, it's really not bats' fault, you know, and, you know, hence the title of the film, you know, the connection between bats and coronavirus, bat and wildlife is not to blame. It's really not bats' fault. It's, it's our fault for infringing upon uh, natural wildlife habitat and taking wildlife outside of their habitat and creating more opportunities for spillover events, which is what happened, you know, which is what scientists think happened. Um, when uh, the first uh, cases of coronavirus were reported. So anyway, so both of these angles are going to be part of the feature length documentary, which hopefully will be released in 2023. Uh, we, like I said, we're deep in production right now and it, you know, producing during uh, COVID does have its challenges due to all of the lockdowns and the restrictions that are put on bat scientists you know, who are trying to get conduct research out in the field. 
So that's been quite quite a challenge to keep going, but we've managed to find a way. And um, this year, especially, like we've, I feel like we've accomplished so much, and so I feel like we're on track. Uh, to be able to finish the film uh, by 2023 now. So hopefully at Cinema Cinema Verde, you'll get a chance to see the feature. (laughs) That would be super exciting. And so, um, like you say, this is kind of a part or process of this longer feature-length documentary. And could you take us back a little bit to kind of what piqued your interest in Bats in the first place? So... The second film was kind of a follow-up to your first, but what was really the inspiration behind um, both of these films? Right. For Bat? Yeah. So I think when I was about your age and I was a student at film school in Syracuse, at Syracuse University at the Newhouse School there, um, there was a pub on campus. Um, and in the summer months, my friends and I, my schoolmates and I would go out to this pub and we would sit on the patio and have our, you know, our cold beers and our, you know, I'm a vegetarian. So my veggie burger. And, um, I, once I thought I saw something like, you know, fly by me. And then I looked up in the sky and it was just filled with bats. And I had never seen anything like that before. I live in San Francisco. I'm from the San Francisco Bay area And I'm used to our summer months being filled with foggy nights and, you know, basically the inability to see anything in the air. So um, so this was the first time I had ever witnessed a bat flight, really. And I just thought it was so magical and so amazing. And it was a memory that I have from my years at Syracuse that I'll never forget. And so flash forward to uh, to 2009, I was here in my apartment in San Francisco and I subscribed to the New Yorker magazine and there was an article that uh, was written by environmental journalist Elizabeth Colbert about the uh, about how bats and and frogs were dying. And there was this mysterious disease called white nose syndrome that was killing bats by the millions and the epicenter, the you know the the first place that this disease was detected, and the first place that they found a cave, a bat cave, just filled with carcasses of thousands of dead bats, was in upstate New York, very close to where I had gone to school. And immediately, I thought of these bats that were you know that were flying above my head as I sat out at this pub on campus, and I thought, you know were they, were they dead? Were they, were they alive? Were they, you know, what was, how, what happened to these bats that I saw there? And would future students, you know, at Syracuse University be able to sit outside and, and look up and see this magical wonder that I had witnessed? So it was at that moment, you know, in 2009 that I knew that I had to do something. And as a filmmaker and as a storyteller, I I basically started thinking about making a feature documentary and it wasn't until 2014 that I started filming with Quirky Quirk, uh, who is the bat rescuer that's featured in that short film. And, and then when I started 
showing that film to audiences. The film was completed finally in 2016. And when I started showing that film to audiences, without fail, at least one person in the audience would come up to me afterwards. And this still happens. And they say to me, you know, before I saw this film, I was afraid of bats or, you know, I, I hated bats. I thought they were a nuisance. But then I saw your film and now my attitude has completely changed. And, and I want to go see the bats out there, at, you know, under the highway. And I encourage everyone to, you know, if you have a chance somewhere, wherever you live to go witness a bat flight, you will be amazed. It's just such a beautiful beautiful, transformative thing to experience. So, so it was as a result of these comments that audience members made that I decided I really need to make this into a feature length documentary. And I really need to aim to get the widest audience possible as possible. So that's how, that's how I, I ended up on this path. Wow. That's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And you kind of touched a little bit upon this earlier, but how would you say that COVID affected your experience as a filmmaker? Do you think there were any advantages or disadvantages that were uh, not previously considered or ended up working out for the better as you filmed? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that any filmmaker will, will tell you that, that filming during COVID was was quite a challenge and I, I it's hard to actually think that there if there were any benefits to it because it just it was just so difficult especially at the beginning where everybody had to wear you know a mask and you know we had to keep six feet distance from everyone and um you know everyone was was really afraid including myself you know I didn't really want to go outside and then of course you know we tried to we try to do like what you're doing right now. How about we do Zoom or, or Skype interviews? <laughs> and then, of course, there's always technological challenges, right? Because, you know, I might have very fast internet, but that's not saying that the person on the other end does. And so that was actually really challenging. However, because of the fact that, that bats were being blamed for this virus, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to talk about bats. And I felt like, you know, in terms of, in terms of the film that I'm making, that was actually an opportunity for us to engage a wider audience, to go deeper into the story, to start thinking not only about an infect infectious disease that's affecting bats, that was caused by humans, which is white nose syndrome, but an infectious disease that, that affects humans, that bats are being blamed for, yet humans are spreading. So I think there's an irony there that people really need to become aware of and people need to talk about. And people also need to accept, you know, as, as our responsibility, you know, it's really like, it's human's responsibility at this point to do whatever we can to prevent pandemics like this from happening again. And, and science, scientists know how to prevent these, these kind of outbreaks and these kinds of pandemics. And, they, and 
the warnings were already out there and they were ignored. So, so yeah, it's just, it's an opportunity to dive deeper into this topic and it's an opportunity to wait, to raise awareness and to, it's an opportunity to shine light on, you know, the benefits of protecting wildlife in wild spaces. It's an opportunity to shine a light on all of the benefits that bats bring to society, the ecosystem services that I mentioned before that say, you know, pest control, for instance, alone saves farmers billions of dollars just in America alone, you know? So these, there's all these opportunities now that, now that people are talking about bats and are a little bit maybe more curious about bats, even though a lot of people still hold fear, it's, the only positive I can bring from this is that there's this opportunity now, you know, to, to engage more people in the conversation. And why do you think there is kind of such a reluctance to accept human activity as um, a culprit of some of these issues? And why do you think there's maybe such a blame shift on the environment rather than human activity? Well, because humans don't like experiencing the feeling of guilt, you know, I mean, this is my own interpretation. (laughs) Don't quote me, but go ahead and quote me. (laughs) But I think humans don't like to feel guilt, really. And so, I mean, take climate change, for instance. You know, people say, oh, we all have to do something, but everybody goes back into their cars and they drive to the supermarket, which is just down the block to go, you know, fill their car up with groceries when that could have been a walking trip. You know, they drive to the gym when that could have been an opportunity to get a little bit more exercise and bike to the gym. You know, so there's all these things that humans do, you know, that, that they, they, they know that, you know, I'm going to go back to the analogy of climate change because it's very real. You know, here we just got the IPCC report on Monday. So there's all this science and evidence out there that's just frightening, you know, about our future. And yet humans don't, we don't want to change our ways because we're so comfortable in our ways. And then we don't want to accept that the guilt is ours. I mean, you know, we've supported the fossil fuel industry for you know, however long, like the twenties or something, you know, I, I'm trying to remember when the, when the first uh, combustion engine automobile was introduced. Um, But so the evidence has always been there. There's been, since the industrial revolution, there's been reports from scientists showing that the burning of fossil fuels causes climate change, right? And yet we still just go out there and do the same things over and over and over again. And this is the same thing with with wildlife and the environment. You know, humans, you know, at the beginning, especially at the beginning of COVID, especially humans just, they just did not want to accept that, that 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 we were part of this, that this horrible thing that happened to every single person on the planet, you know, whether or not they were directly impacted by getting sick or if a a family member or loved one got sick or if they were impacted just by the fact that we all had to stay indoors that thing that happened was caused by us 
and the behaviors that we had, you know, by, by taking animals out of their environment and putting them into unhealthy environments and by encroaching upon their habitat and limiting the amount of space that animals have to roam freely in wild spaces. So they just didn't want to make that connection. <laughs> they wanted to just say, oh, bats, they're ugly and they're dirty and they're a nuisance and it's their fault. You know, and so then we saw reports of, you know, people killing bats or trying to destroy bat habitats. And that was just, that was just heartbreaking to see. But I think now, you know, now what, a year and a half into this pandemic, we're at a place where I think humans know that we're spreading it, although that's questionable too. Next question. <laughs> well, I was going to say, on a more positive note, I was going to say, if you have any um, kind of take-home messages or um, kind of just words of inspiration or just anything that you really want our viewers to take home today as a closing statement or just kind of um, sharing a message with our viewers today, any final things you have to say? Right. Well, um, well, first I want to, you know, draw viewers to uh, the website for The Invisible Mammal. It's www.theinvisiblemammal.com. And please take a look and, and learn a little bit more about what, our, what the feature film is going to address and some of the new characters and faces, if you're familiar with my, my other two films. Um, you know, and if anyone is, in, is inspired to become part of our project, you know, we have a little donation budget <laughs> or button, excuse me, we have a donation button on the homepage. Um, and second, you know, like I said before, you know, I know that your, um, that your community is, is close to some bat habitats as well. And if you're curious about bats and want to find out more about these magical creatures that pollinate and reforest our, for, our deforested areas and who, um, who save at farmers billions of dollars a year in pest control, then go to a place where there's bats and there's a person who will um, be able to educate you a little bit more. And, um, and finally, you know, take a look at that IPCC report, you know, and think about one thing that you can do to, you know, to change your life and to lighten your own carbon footprint. You know, I was just talking to my mom last night about meatless Mondays. You know, that's one of my favorite things, you know, to recommend is like, well, you don't have to become a vegetarian, but you can just be you can just start practicing meatless Mondays. It's just one day out of the week, you know, or like, you know, instead of driving the car, you know, how about car-free Fridays, you know, like instead of driving the car on Friday, where can you walk to go entertain yourself on a Friday night? So those are, those are some, um, some positive, you know, positive messages that I hope, you know, your viewers and listeners can, um, can take home and, and start putting into action. Yeah, well, we completely agree. Those are really important values uh, to Cinema Verde, sharing that information and educating our viewers about ongoing environmental issues, climate change. Uh, we want to thank you, Kristen, for joining us here today. Uh, both of your films, as you mentioned, 
uh, the connection between bats and coronavirus, wildlife is not to blame, as well as The Invisible Mammal, The Bat Rescuer, are both available to stream on Cinema Verde's uh, channel. Thank you again so much for your time and for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.